Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. It's been three long years, but F1 returned to Melbourne, to Albert Park in Australia for a great Grand Prix, and we're here today to tell you all about it. This is the Everything F1 podcast. My name's James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Been up to much recently? No. Getting up at a stupid clock to watch a Grand Prix and go to work. I actually really like the early ones. Uh, How about you? We've also got Joe. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did you like the Grand Prix being, being early this weekend? Um, it was a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but it was good. I got housework done without kids annoying me. However, they were not impressed at me screaming at the telly at a ridiculous time in the morning. <laughs> I had to be really quiet, but, you know, I'm, I'm like a mouse anyway. But you, can't, you oh, can't, no, say, I... can't say my voice is very loud at all. Well, mine's is deep and manly and very, very loud on a good day. So you can imagine what it's like watching F1 and I'm screaming. Thankfully, they're teenagers, so it's just getting my own back. <laughs> uh, and we've also got a new member to the team. Uh, we'd like to introduce him now. His name is Oscar. Hi, Oscar. How are you? Hi, James. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Nice to uh, make my debut on the podcast. And uh, yeah, excited to, uh, to tuck in some F1 news. Excellent. So could you kind of just introduce yourself to our fans then, really? Sure. So I've been following F1 as long as I can remember now, really. I think my love started for it in the mid 2000s, watching the likes of Schumacher and uh, Riken and Alonso go head to head. And uh, yeah, I've loved it. Loved it ever since, despite the engine, the engine getting smaller every (laughs) year after year and with every iteration iteration of it. It's uh, yeah, it's a love which never goes away. Absolutely love the F1. uh, I'm loving this season so far as well. A lot more overtaking. Um, some great battles going on. So, yeah, that's where it all began. I can't see it fading anytime soon. Great. Brilliant. Well, that, you've got the passion. Hopefully, we'll see you in the podcast as a regular panellist. Okay, so before we get into the podcast, we like to break the ice after a race. Uh, I'm going to ask you three questions. We call this segment Penalty Points. I'm going to ask three questions. Just shout out your name. Uh, if you want to answer the question, whoever's first to shout out their name gets to answer the question and those points will be added up throughout the year. And whoever wins that the highest total amount of points will, of course, get a prize from myself uh, at the end of the season. So good luck. The questions are what previous world champion ended up using a moped to go around the track? Coops. Sebastian Vettel. Can you tell me why Sebastian Vettel went around the uh, track in... Free practice three. That was free practice one. Oh, sorry, free practice one. And the uh, Aston Martin's pish. 
Sorry. The Aston Martin's power unit broke. Uh, so they're not having uh, much luck with their car, are they? No, and you know, he got a 5,000 5, euro fine for that, and then he got another 600 euro fine later on during practice for speeding in the pit lane. So it was a very <laughs> expensive weekend for old Seb. A short change for a, a multi-millionaire <laughs> like Seb. Sure. Uh, the next question. Who scored their first ever Grand Slam this weekend? Kimmy. Coops. Charles Leclerc. Oh, well done. Yes, that's another point for you. Uh, and my final question of the day is... What did Yuki Tsunoda call Pierre Gasly over the weekend? Jimmy. Another one for Coops. Uh, his girlfriend slash boyfriend. His girlfriend slash boyfriend. Yes, he did. Uh, so mm. that's a very interesting quote. Um, I see. I, I hadn't don't, heard that actually. I don't know. Uh, In all how fairness, that impressed. was not what I thought it was. <laughs> I don't think uh, Gasly will be impressed with that. He's going to have to try and. Uh, he's French. I mean, it's this country of love. I mean, <laughs> it sounds a bit PG for Yuki anyway. I thought there'd be a few more expletives thrown in there between, you know, girlfriend, something, 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 boyfriend, or something like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was quite clean. Yeah, guys, was saying the FIA could check his ass if he wanted. So, you wanted. Know. He did, he did say that actually. Yeah, uh, lots of conversations about what what drivers can wear uh, over the weekend or on the run up to the weekend, and uh, that caused a lot of conversation in and, and quite funny quotes in the uh, driver in interviews before on Friday. We are the Everything F1 podcast. You can find us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and now we are part of TikTok. So we're providing content across all the social platforms. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, you're listening to us on the podcast right now. We would love it if you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service. So you've got all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Right, now let's review the Australian Grand Prix. First things first, what I want to ask you, uh, I'll go to Coops first, is do you think the changes that were made to Australia were a success? Yes. I don't think they would have been a success if they were done with the previous regulations. I right. think they've, partnered, they've, they've kind of come in in a decent remarriage with the new regulations uh, along with the kind of faster flow. Mm -hmm. uh, it was always going to be difficult to make Australia or, or Albert Park, more precisely, uh, an overtaken fest because it mm -hmm. never has been. No. Uh, the only way to do that is redo the whole thing, which you can't because it's partially a street circuit. But it was a good test of the regulations. The circuit was faster. I think most of the drivers enjoyed it. Maybe not Carlos Sainz. <laughs> or an Aston Martin. Well, they were just crap since they turned up. But, uh, <laughs> Aye, so yeah, I think it's and it it kept your attention. I mean, it was a good test for the Australian Grand Prix because we all get excited because it's the start of the season. Usually, we, we, we usually so we kind of forget that it's not a particularly good race. We're just like, oh, Formula One's back, and then maybe afterwards we think there wasn't really much going on. Mm. Uh, so we've had a couple of races, and then we've had the Australian Grand Prix, and do you know it kept our attention, which doesn't normally happen. Um, Everyone could go could get close enough. They, uh, so yeah, it was good. It was for us for an Australian Grand Prix. It was pretty good. Uh, Oscar, let's get your opinion on on the new circuit, the new layout of the circuit. Sorry, um, what what did you think? Did you were you impressed with the changes? Do you think it helped uh, close up the racing, uh, make it more exciting? 
Yeah, so I was I was really impressed actually. Um, I think in years gone by, Melbourne hasn't really been a track that I I look forward to watching. Mm. I think the the draw of Melbourne in the past was it it was the opening race, so it was a chance for us to see the new teams and to see the new cars and any driver swaps which had taken place, mm-hmm. and that gave it its excitement. But in terms of the action itself, I I can't remember you know, a fantastic Australian Grand Prix to note, to be honest. Mm. Um, maybe going back to 2013 when uh, Raikkonen pulled off that uh, quite daring tyre strategy and that, you know, was a bit mm. of an unexpected win. Um, so I think it's fantastic that, that they have changed a few things around because in F1, it's important not to rely too much on tradition and to say, oh, what's worked in the past is always going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, Albert Park has only been on, you know, on the calendar for 25 years now. But at the same time, the cars were getting bigger. And of course, we've seen in Monaco, it become larger procession. It's important that Australia does try and differ from that, even though it is a very tight and twisty circuit. Mm-hmm. And one thing which is impressive so far with the cars um, and one thing which has been highlighted by Martin Brundle is their ability to race side by side a lot more without the impact of the uh, aerodynamics on the cars. Mm. Um, of course, looking back to last season, we saw in Silverstone with Cops Corner, Hamilton almost sliding into Verstappen and that causing a few clumsy incidents. But certainly in Australia, it seemed the cars were able to battle side by side throughout the race. And yeah, that created some really in- interesting battles. So, yeah, uh, props to Australia for doing a great job with the, the track development. Um, and it certainly seems like it's going to, to work in this new era of F1. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Good changes. Um, the four DRS zones, though, Joe, that was, uh, it was t- turned out being a bit dangerous, didn't it? And they, 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 they popped it down to three uh, on the Saturday. They changed their mind over that. Yeah, I have to say Looking at that originally, I did have a few concerns. Um, the danger is about the only word you can really do it. If, you know, with the, the DRS being slightly overpowering in that area, you could just see how it was going to go wrong. You could. Um, mm-hmm. But, do you know, they made the right call in the end. And I don't think we lost anything from not having it. Mm-hmm. I still think with everything that came in this year, mimicking what the lads have said, I mean, it all just came together this year. If there was ever going to be a year to try and make Australia that little bit better, it would have been this year. And they've done it. I think it was all, you know, I'm, I've am i never hidden the fact that I'm not a big fan of this race. Mm-hmm. I think simply because I'm always exceptionally excited for F1 coming back. And I'm one of those very few people that going into it kind of go, oh, God, we're here. Yeah. I mean, there's never anything exciting, you know, a couple mm. overtakes. Bit of a snooze fest, got to get up early for it. Um, but this was totally different and I loved it. I, it just made me kind of love the track all over again. And for that, kind of thankful to be honest. So hopefully this is this is going to continue next year and it's not going to be a, a fluke just for this one off year, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was I was impressed by how it worked, but I'm definitely glad they didn't stick with that fourth one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it was needed. There was too much going on uh, in the free practice sessions on the Friday for uh, for them to keep it. Um, but the evidence that, that it was a better race uh, is in the statistics of overtakes. Um, for the previous three Australian Grand Prix, there was no more than 20 overtakes uh, per race, uh, whereas this this uh, race this year was 36 or th- 35 or 36 overtakes. Um, so, so 34 overtakes this year. 
34 overtakes this year. 34, yeah. Well, and there I think you go. 2017 had like two, one, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. So, I mean, it's, it's made a significant difference. And that, you, can't, you can't complain with that. You can't at all. Okay, well, let's talk about the, the winner of the race, Charles Leclerc. As we uh, mentioned in the intro, he got a Grand Slam this weekend, absolutely dominated in the Scuderia Ferrari. Um, and he's really kind of pulling out a good lead in the championship over his nearest competitor, which George Russell in second, which, you know, is shocking when you when you think of the performance of the Mercedes this year. Uh, so, Coops, what, what, we, what can you say about Charles Leclerc this weekend? Uh, he just dominated. Car was on the sweet spot. It done everything it wanted to do. Uh, and he just nailed it. He just got in front and away he went. Uh, and it's a sign of a true champion and a sign of a team that's ready to take the championship again. You know, when your competitors aren't quite at it, like Max Verstappen said the whole weekend, car was terrible, couldn't quite get the, quite, the, the sweet spot. Mercedes are just not there yet. <clears throat> and they nailed it. Um, they didn't quite nail it, as in they never got a one-two. We'll get on to Carlos Sainz shortly. But yeah, there's not much you can do. Probably the easiest one of his career. He dominated, controlled the pace. Had a wee wobble in the second restart. Hit the grass. Looked like Verstappen might have been able to get in front, but managed to nail it. Mm-hmm. Keep it him. Keep it. Uh, didn't, he didn't manage to nail it. He managed to fend them off. And you know, rest is history. And he he was very a very determined driver this weekend. Uh, you know, even on the during the race when he was quite clearly out in front, he was thinking about the the extra point for the fastest lap. Um, clearly wanted to to maximise his points opportunity at this race. Uh, Oscar, you, were you impressed with uh, Charles's performance this weekend? I really have been um, so far this season. Leclerc looks like looks like the real deal, and uh, we've seen this development now. Um, from 2019 of course his first season with Ferrari and you know a few mistakes were in there still looked a bit rash on occasion Mm -hmm. Um, but he's really really developed as a driver Um, and of course a lot of people would say Ferrari have the strivers the the strongest driver pairing on the on the grid so um, Leclerc certainly seems like the the lead driver for him at the minute um, and seems to be taking charge of it and he seems to have ironed out a few of those errors in his in his driving um, you know, in terms of Sunday, it was the perfect job. Dealt with the pressure, you know, nothing really seemed to phase him throughout, despite a lot of drivers going out off uh, throughout throughout the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, Leclerc is is a real contender this season. He he looks very composed, and it seems like this is this is really a complete Leclerc we're seeing now. Leclerc two point <laughs> if you want to coin that uh, that Valtteri Bottas related saying. Yeah, uh, and actually. Charles is he's he's got enough points to to win the drivers championship and actually he's got enough points to single-handedly uh be leading the constructors championship too um which is a very interesting uh, statistic. Uh, Joe, let's talk about Carlos Sainz his teammate. Uh not the greatest weekends for him. Uh, we looking to kind of shake off some bad luck uh, I think over the next two weeks. Oh god bless him. my heart was going out for him. You can really tell that not only did he start off on that bad foot, you know, he had the issue where he needed uh, his steering wheel changed as well, so the setup wasn't right. We had mm-hmm. all those issues. And you could just tell, I mean, I'm sure he actually said that in an interview as well, that he himself knew he was pushing too hard. He pushed that car. It was, you know, completely avoidable. He was frustrated 
you know, as all of us would be, and he just pushed that little bit too hard. And you just can't help but feel for him because it kind of, in a lot of ways, none of this was his fault. He's, you know, it's like he's going down a Danny Rick kind of moment. Mm. Um, we're just on the bad luck just seems to be hitting on him. I just, my heart just bleeds for him because he's such a good driver. He's such a good guy. Um, doesn't deserve it. So just fingers crossed that this has just been a fluke of a weekend and everything will go back to normal. The jinx will come off of him because um, he doesn't deserve it. And it would be really good to see both Ferraris really push him. Um, and up there, not that they need it right now, but you know, yeah, it'd be good to see. So, fingers crossed for him. He needs to shake off this bad luck because it won't be long yeah. before Ferrari go, Well, you know what? We're going to focus our efforts on Charles Leclerc and mm-hmm. we're going to make sure that we sacrifice Carlos and any points or any maximum points that he can if Charles is the, the driver behind him. Um, just to yeah, make sure exactly. that, that they secure that thing. So he's got to shake it off soon. Otherwise, they will be kind of forced into a position where where he has to play a supporting role. Well, when you say forced, I mean, let's be honest, Ferrari have always seemed to work better when they favour the one driver over the two. Yeah. So he, he needs to kick this in the backside really, really quick and needs mm-hmm. to give them a reason to be looking at him as well because they will quick, quick, very quickly just go so focused on Leclerc here. Let's go. Let's power it down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he definitely needs to kick this this voodoo out of the way and get on with. Absolutely, <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, Oscar, do you agree with that? Yeah, I was just going to say I think it's such a big deal as well for the Ferrari drivers. You know, we've heard this stat for so long now. Two thousand and seven, the last time Ferrari won a championship, uh, a World Drivers Championship, and um, that's that's a really staggering stat. You know, looking at the dominance which preceded that, of course, under Schumi. Um, but whoever is able to crack that and be Ferrari's next champion to bring that home for the Tifosi for Italy and for the Ferrari brand is going to be hailed as a hero back at, Mar- Baron- uh, back at Maranello. So for Leclerc or Sainz to do that, it could be their crowning achievement, no matter how many championships they go on to win in the future. Coops, what, what, what do you say about the whole Carlos Sainz situation? Do you think uh, he it will be... How many, how many races do you think it's going to be before Ferrari go, do you know what, you are number two this year. Um, sit back and help your teammate. Well, if he keeps having an Australian weekend, then it won't be that many. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we've only had three races. We've got 20 to go. But I think what will be saving grace is the fact that Leclerc's out there on his own. Mm. If it was a very close battle, which at the moment it doesn't look like it is, then they're not going to number two. I mean, he'll be number two by default, and he already is, because Leclerc's just mastered it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to be number two. It's not going to be like, a, you know, Valtteri, this is James moment in Russia. Uh, We're not know, going to few, Russia. Yeah, but you know what I mean? The example is from <laughs> a few right. years ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, that that saying, like, if Sykes is in first, Leclerc's in second, Leclerc's got 30, 40 points of a gap from Verstappen, Saints will be allowed to get that win, you would think. Because, you know, first, second, they're still going to, you know, they would still extend, whatever. Uh, if Verstappen and Red Bull can sort out the fragility of their car, then, and it gets closer, oh, he'll be number two. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty quick. So you think the, the, the lacklustre performance of the Red Bulls or the unreliability of the current Red Bulls um, is probably the saving grace for Carlos Sainz at this very early stage? Yes. It's, it's a stay of execution. However, that's not going to last long. So if you go to Miami, yeah, Imola next, and they, you know, Red Bull get a one and two, and Ferrari aren't there, 
you know, or there's a wee gremlin comes in or they trip over something and Leclerc doesn't finish, mm-hmm. that's a whole different set of circumstances. And they will very quickly go, right, no, Leclerc, you're up. Uh, and that will just, you know, that's the Ferrari, that is the way uh, to coin a phrase from Ferrari. So, Okay, well, let's move on to the Red Bulls then. Uh, they looked okay, you know, uh, had, had some good performances in quali, um, both Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Um, but then on race day, Max Verstappen's car just decided to go pop. Um, we'll go to Oscar. Can you summarise your your opinion on 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 the Red Bulls, uh, Max Verstappen in particular, maybe? Uh, well, where to start with Red Bull? I mean, the the title challenge is faltering already, and I was staggered to see Max's comments to say that you know the title's done already, and I can't see myself defending it. Um, <laughs> really, really surprising to see that of outlook and it certainly differs from Lewis you know in, in times of adversity not that I'm showing my bias here or anything like that <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's it's disappointing so far they clearly have a very fast car um, mm-hmm. you know with the slapping at the helm anything's possible he nails that Perez is there to pick up the pieces as he managed to do um, so fair play to him but um, yeah once again it just seems like the title challenge is is just really struggling to get underway. And we thought we were going to have this titanic battle between Leclerc and Verstappen, Red Bull against Ferrari, you know, a throwback to the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be strange to see Ferrari get the best of that as well, because they always seem so close and yet so far. Mm. You know, looking at 2010 and 2012, of course, with Alonso. Um but yeah, it, it, there seems like there's real gremlins with that Red Bull at the minute. Um, you know, the power unit is clearly fragile and they just don't seem to have the reliability that they need to, to, to push on and get this title charge underway. And of course, with the limits to engine parts and whatnot, you know, that's going to incur penalties later in the season, which is then going to, to further hurt their chances. So they seem quite despondent uh, at the minute, Red Bull and Verstappen. And it'll be really interesting to see if they can bring it back in Imola um, because they really need a win and preferably a one, two as well for the constructors. Absolutely. They do. Um, there was a question that we've posed uh, on our Facebook page and across several other uh, social media platforms. If you had to be in a position uh, of either the Mercedes now or the Red Bull now, um, which team would you rather kind of commit to? Would you have the slightly unreliable, but very quick Red Bull or would you have the reliable but not necessarily championship kind of contender uh, in the Mercedes. Uh, we'll go to Joe first. Answer that question for us, Joe. That's just evil asking me that question. You are, you, you're a Max Verstappen fan. I thought, you know, this was a bit relevant to you. <laughs> All right. If it was me, I hate to say it, I'd pick Mercedes. Okay. I would, at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. You know, Mercedes, as far as team-wise go, you just can't fault them. They're not bringing upgrades. They're not doing that until they know exactly what's wrong with the car. Mm. They have no interest in fixing anything until they know exactly what it is, completely understand it. They'll pour their money in it. I mean, they're just, they're robotic in so many ways. You cannot fault that team. Red Bull, yeah. (laughs) Without like hammering down on them, I kind of even still mentally see them as, so much of a baby team, you know, they're still when it comes to the fixing problems and all the rest of it, they just seem very almost immature about how they do things. Mm. I feel like they kind of just throw everything at it and hope something sticks. 
as opposed to the way I prefer the way that Mercedes kind of work through the problem, the pro- you know, they the go through the problem solving elements until they get it right. They all work together. I just don't see that with Red Bull. Yeah. So if it was me, <laughs> as much as I love Max, if it was me, I would, I would pick Mercedes. I just would. That you're going to back the winner. Let's be honest. In that situation, Red Bull's going. Uh, Mercedes are going to get there before Red Bull do. Well, the proof is in the pudding. Looking at the points this season uh, in the actual championship uh, championship itself, currently Max is sitting below both both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, and they haven't got at the moment a, a very fast car at all. So yeah. it, it's it's not it, fast, but it's reliable. It's consistent. Well, it's reliable esque and mm. consistent. Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, like I keep saying, they are a robotic style. You know, they're Germans. They just they make things that work, and when they don't work, they fix it. And it's that simple. <laughs> it's really quite a childish way of looking at it, but that is what they do. You can't fault them for it, and they will. It's a it's a really long season. They will bring up days once they figure this out, and we're going to all sit there and go, "Well, let's just eat our words now," because look at that, and they'll just start firing away. And then you have the likes of Lewis, who you all know I'm not a big fanboy of his. And yet I cannot fault him as far as skill goes. That natural talent, that man will bring those points back as quickly as that car is underneath him. And Russell, I mean, that kid's just shaping up to be the next Lewis. You know, he's got his head on straight. You you just don't want to really put money against him. I'm sorry, Matt, but I just don't. (laughs) I'm going to pose the same question to you, Coops. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Mercedes or would you rather have a really quick car but sometimes unreliable uh, Red Bull? No, it's Mercedes. They're not the seven-time, eight-time, whatever it is, constructors champion for a reason. You know, they, they do it. They know what they're doing. Uh, it's not the first time they've been in a situation where their car's not the best mm-hmm. uh, and they've managed to get something out of it. You know, obviously, look, having Lewis Hamilton in the car helps. Uh, and I think it's easier to make a reliable car fast than to make an un- a fast, unreliable car Reliable, which is the complete opposite of what uh, Christian Horner said at the weekend, isn't it? Well, he wants a fast car and then figure it. But the thing is, the problem you've got with Red Bull is the two issues that made them retire were both different. Mm. You know, they've solved the first one, then another one comes. I think they've said that it's the was it a hydraulic leak or a fuel leak. There was some sort of leak in the power unit. Uh, well, it was a vacuum, a fuel vacuum uh, in, in the first in the Bahrain, and then yep. yeah, there was there was also a fuel pump issue, I believe, at uh, the weekend uh, this this weekend. So they're not blaming the engine itself, but things kind of that that feed it's the, the engine. Power but unit. It's... it's not. But the, the the thing that you got to think as well is Max Verstappen came into the weekend saying that he wasn't sure he was going to make the end of the Grand Prix, mm. and that was for a completely different issue that didn't actually cause the end of the race for him. So. I mean, Max Verstappen knows his car's not reliable. Uh, so, and obviously the Mercedes power units, which we've seen, isn't fast. Mm-hmm. And it has had some issues rely- with reliability. Uh, but then the whole grid's suffering with issues to do with the power unit. Uh, you know, the Ferrari of Alfa, the Bottas had an issue with it. Uh, the Alpine of Alonso's already in his third one in yeah. three races. Uh, you know, the Alpha Tauri and the, the Honda that's, let's not call a Honda, Honda. Uh, mm. So, you know, they've popped a few times. The Mercedes have not been great in a couple of cars. I think uh, Ricardo had an issue in his in the last race. 
So they're all kind of, you know, it's it's weird for the kind of newer generation watching this and seeing these cars having mechanical problems, you know, as one of the older members of the team. I remember <laughs> seeing, you know, watching it back in the 90s where they, changed, they had a qualifying engine, a practice engine, a pre-warm-up engine, and then they'd last five <laughs> laps and still blow up. You know, every race, three or four of them blew up, and it was the old-fashioned plumes of smoke where, you know, the only person in the world that was mad enough to drive through that smoke in a rouge was Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. But you don't see it in this generation of Formula One, and we're seeing it this year, and we've only had three races. Mm-hmm. So there are issues to do with power units, and it's not it's it's going to take a while for these two teams to really sort themselves out. Where at the moment, the only car that seems to be bulletproof is Ferrari, and they're just getting on with it. So... You know, they could wrap up this championship by Silverstone, by the way they're going. <laughs> if nobody else can keep it on the track. Let's hope not, eh? Let's hope not. <laughs> we, we, we want a bit of competition this year. Um, I'm going to pose the same question to Oscar, but I have a feeling I know who's going to choose. Would you re- would choose the reliable but slow Mercedes or the unreliable but quick Red Bull? Well, I'm going to come with a curveball here. I, I am very much Mercedes over Red Bull in this debate, but um, I honestly think Red Bull could have the power to do this and to uh to, to claw it back this season mm-hmm. and uh the reason i say that is because i think after that momentous win at the back end of last season and you know taking that away from mercedes you know we won't go down the route of the circumstances in which the win was claimed but they got the win on the stat sheet and i don't think that christian horner will want to relinquish that power once again i think that he wants to form a vettel-esque dynasty with Max over the next few years, you know, and, and to utilize him and to wring out all his talent before shipping off to Ferrari to be, uh, you know, do a bit of a dodgy <laughs> job and spin out quite a lot under no pressure. So I, I honestly think that it could be a Red Bull this year. I think Mercedes have had their time. I'm not doubting Wolf as a principal. You'd never write off Hamilton as a driver, but I just think as a combo, as a combo it, may have, it may have got as good as it could get. And maybe they're just not peaking as, you know, in terms of their roles. But I I still think that the effects of Abu Dhabi last season may have taken it a bit out of them. Whereas Red Bull are very much riding the wave. Um, You know, they've got a fantastic driver. Christian Horner knows how to win. And Adrian Newey knows how to design, design a car. So I could see them turning it around. And let's not forget as well that Ferrari have adapted that role as bottle jobs over the last maybe 10 years in <laughs> F1. They, they've always been there. You know, 2010, Alonso getting stuck. 2012, Brazil, Vettel, fantastic drive. Fair enough. But then, you know, through the Vettel era as well, I thought they were going to do it so many times. And, mm. you know, I, I, I would have liked to have seen them do it so many times just to mix it up a bit. Um, I really thought Vettel would do it you know, in 2016, 17, 18, but it just never really happened. And I don't know, there's still something about Ferrari as a team, which just doesn't give me the faith that they'll be able to sustain it over a whole championship season. So yeah, that's my two cents anyway. Oh, well, that's that's interesting, especially coming off the back of uh, Verstappen's, uh, obviously, you know, interviews uh, towards the, the latter part of the day uh, on Sunday. Um, but, It'll be interesting to see anyway. Um, well, let's talk about some of the other teams. Obviously, let's let's talk about Mercedes because we, we obviously mentioned them in that kind of question to, to and fro. Uh, they are reliable, if if a bit slow. Um, their drivers, however, maximise their their kind of 
their their points and, and did as much damage limitation as they possibly could do uh, at this early stage of the championship. Um, what what can you say about him, Joe? Um, to be fair, not much more than what I've already said. It's just a, a waiting game to see for me how the car develops and how not even the drivers. I think the drivers are fine. It's just waiting to see how they handle the setup, where they're at, where their gremlins are, and how they move forward from it. I don't think pressure-wise it's going to get to them in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, how this looks for the entire year is really hard to tell. There's just so many variables this year. There's so much that's changed. There's so many differences. There's so many teams that are starting slightly on the you know the back step a little bit because of various different reasons. Probably loads of stuff going on that we don't have any clue about whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it's too early to really put too much into it. It's all going to, we're just going to have to wait and see how the next, I say maybe even five races kind of, see how they fall out, where they land, what happens, the reliability of the engine, the power unit, all the, it's just, there's too many variables. It's not really something I'm quite willing to kind of go, yeah, they're going to get around this. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like you said, if if it was me and I was driving and I had to pick one, I would go personally with Mercedes, but I'm not counting them out. I'm not saying they're going to come back flying either. I really don't know at this point because it is them. If anyone's going to figure it out, it'll be them. The drivers are just doing a fantastic job, though. So it's just a case of waiting and seeing how the team sort that car. Well, let's talk about the the drivers then and and the luck that they had during the race. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton had a bit of bad luck. He was the actual lead lead Mercedes car um, before the pit stops were were put underway. Um, He pitted just before the safety car was was called out. Um, so he got a really unlucky kind of call with the with the pit stops, uh, which meant that George Russell obviously could pit under safety car, which meant he slight, slid out in front of Lewis Hamilton. So so he did lose lose out there. George did get, you know, a, a good part of the luck. Um, and he got his first podium of the year uh, on the third step. Um, so a good result for him. You know, it's nice to see him on there in his, in his you know, black Mercedes uh, outfit. Um, something that he's probably been waiting a long time for and kind of desperate to to kind of uh, achieve over the last few years. Uh, Coops, were you impressed with George Russell's performance this week or is it just kind of like, you know, he looked into it a bit, um, count his lucky stars type of thing? Uh, I mean, there's no question George Russell's talent and he's doing what he does best and that's temper expectation. I mean, he drove for volumes for three years, for goodness sake. So he kind of knows how to deal with a car that's not really doing its job and knows what to say. But yeah, he, he done what he did. He done it well. He, he, the, the Mercedes team, I think, pretty much finished where they were expecting to finish. And of course, he was there to take that podium because that's just how it kind of worked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's always an element of luck, especially if you're You've got a car that's not really performing to your expectation, but you still end up on the podium. Uh, I think Hamilton got that in Bahrain. So, yeah, they're there or thereabouts. I mean, it's going to be exciting because that car, once they figure out their issue with the porpoising and the down, the lack of downforce uh, and the kind of speed, because uh, it's it's a type of car where it's just about there. It just needs a couple of wee tweaks or a couple of wee bit, maybe not wee tweaks. I'm kind of underestimating the issues, but. I think once they've got a handle on it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a rocket ship. I think. Uh, I think it'll be a if Verstappen can sort his stuff out, a good three way battle. We'd love to have seen that 
it from the get-go, all mm-hmm. three of them up there. But, you know, I think the, the, the Australian Grand Prix, it kind of showed that the Mercedes is a bit of a beast once they get it sorted and understand it. I think they'll be the ones to look out for maybe later on in the season. Okay, well, let's move on to a different team now. I'm going to go to you, Oscar. Can you pick another team that you uh, that you want to talk about uh, from the weekend and uh, tell us about their performance? Sure. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's look at Alfa Romeo. Okay. Um, come to the beautiful, most beautiful car on the grid, in my opinion. So yeah, let's <laughs> let, let's go with them. Um, but yeah, another solid weekend for Alfa Romeo. Um, it's it's been really nice to see after seeing them lagging behind so much over the last couple of seasons. Um, and, you know, really suffer as a result of putting zero, you know, money into developing the car, of course, until this new era came in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been nice to see them once again fighting in the midfield. Um, Bottas once again looks solid, of course, came home in eighth, so secures more points for them as a team. And I believe they've moved up to sixth in the Constructors' Championship now. Someone may may correct me on that, but I believe it's sixth, uh, which puts them uh, solidly in the midfield. Um, they're in that that kind of battle with Alpha Tauri, uh, of course, Williams, who look like they're lagging behind a bit now, and um, uh, maybe even McLaren as well. Of course, an upturn in performance from them as well. But maybe Alfa Romeo will be able to challenge them. We'll still have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Zhou Guan, Guan Yu, um, yeah, it was a good race from him. Um, looks like he's really adapted well to F1 actually, which is which is fantastic to see because I think he did come under that cloud of is he a pay driver? Of course, um, a Chinese driver brings a lot of backing with him. And uh, we haven't seen a Chinese driver in F1 for a long time as well. So there's a lot of expectation um, in terms of him flying the flag. Um, and he seems to have really adapted well to it overall. He's, he's justified his decision for them to choose him over taking Giovinazzi for another year or mm-hmm. going to Oscar Piastri, of course, probably quite unlucky to, to miss out Oscar Piastri on an F1 driver season. But um, Zoe has done very well, yeah, coming home in 11th this season. And uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be picking up a few more points as the season goes on, as long as he he maintains this level. We mm-hmm. saw with Sonoda, drivers can come in and have that initial bounce and then kind of plateau a little bit for the rest of the year. So he just needs to make sure he is up there and he's fighting you know, and maximizing the potential of the car as Bottas is currently doing. Absolutely. Completely agree with what you said there. Um, Joe, have you got a team you want to talk about? Um, well, sort of. Can we just have a word about Williams right now? You can have like, a word about Williams, absolutely. That's where, like, between, I can never decide whether we want to talk about Williams or the whole Vettel show issue, but Albon this weekend, what, what kind of drive was that? I don't know if that was complete genius or <laughs> sheer luck. I don't know, but when this kid was here last time, I I backed him so much. I I seen that he he had potential. I don't think he'd ever be right up there on the top team, mm-hmm. but he definitely, you know, for a while there showed promise and deserved it. So I'm glad that he's back. But that was just like Williams. Where have you been hiding this? That was a that was like just genius. And the fact that he managed right up until the last lap. We had the likes of Alonso's like tires just disappearing off of him, and you know here's album like no 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 let's just keep going. What was that all about? That was amazing. <laughs> I just the whole time I was sat there glued, going, "Oh, he's got another lap. When are they going to pick him?" And I just kept thinking these graphics are wrong. 
what's going on here? We must um, have missed the pit stop, but, but no, no we didn't. I, did, I honestly, I did. I constantly kept, I even had the iPad out and I was checking the sky app. I was like, I missed this. When when did he go in? He had to. Um, I was just so impressed with that. The, the strategy behind it, everything. We sat the whole way going, oh my God, have they forgotten about it? Is it going to get, you know, is this going to be points at the end? Because he hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And then, Literally, right up to the last second, I started screaming at the telly, Pit on! Like, get up in the <laughs> You've forgotten! <laughs> well, that was fantastic. I absolutely loved that. I just, for me, that was like a wee sub, like, TV series in itself. You know, Latifi, I'm so bored and so over that. Just, I'm sorry, kid, you need to go. Just, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I've had enough now. I was really nice for ages. Benefit of the doubt. But, dude, that seat needs to go someday worthy of it. You're just not, I'm done with it. And then Alvin comes in and does that. And I was like, yes, go kid. <laughs> that was ace for me. I love that. I just had to say it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was an impressive drive to, to obviously nurse those tires to to, to where he did. Um, as I say, we, we we didn't know that he was going to pit, and I thought, okay, oh, what's the penalty for this? Is it complete disqualification? I, know, I started looking it up, and everything. <laughs> I was like, it was me on the FIA going, oh my god, what's going to happen? But no, I was really really impressed with that. I loved it. Absolutely brilliant. It was a really good strategy from them, um, and just it just shows that he has potential to do things like that. I mean, there were so many you know, veteran drivers out there that were struggling with tyre wear and they were really struggling. Mm. And then you've got this kid that's like, yeah, I can just, you know, do the whole race. I don't need to change. I mean, he probably could have quite easily finished. No problem. Whether we'd, you know, I just, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And I, I loved it. And I'm so happy for them. They've already, you know, I've said this all along every time last season that they were getting points. Yeah, come on, Williams, get back up there. Mm. So it's good to see that even though Latifi has his, Whatever on earth that kid's doing. I don't even know what race he's running. He's doing his own thing these days. But at least we've got Alvin there bringing in points for them. And that's, I'm really chuffed with that. I was really impressed. Good, good, good. Coops, who do you want to talk about? Oh, we could talk about Aston Martin, couldn't we? That would be fun. Go on. You talk about Aston Martin. Tell us how good their weekend was. Oh, I mean, in terms of how bad a Grand Prix weekend could go, I mean, they couldn't have got much worse, could they? No. In three in three practice sessions, uh, Sebastian Vettel managed twenty three laps, and then crashed out in a very strange accident during the race. Qualifying, the only reason he got a lap in is because Stroll tripped over Latifi in probably the most unnecessary accident I've seen in Formula One. Mm. Uh, God, what were they two playing at? Uh, two Canadian just, billionaires just uh, playing playing their cars. It was bizarre, and of course, I mean, I've got to, I've got to kind of bite my tongue here because initially I'm going, "What was Latifi doing?" And then, of course, we saw that Stroll jumped over, and it's, "What was Stroll doing?" <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, and then every time you see, every time there's a red flag now in Formula One, it's like, "Oh, where's Latifi crashed this time?" He's <laughs> uh, done it in every race. Uh, well, he finished, he finished, uh, he finished the race this time. Don't think I ever saw him during the race. I don't think. Uh, I mean, he, as Joe says, he really needs to be worried for his Formula One career because there's a guy who took a year out of Formula One and is wiping the floor with him and he's making stupid mistakes. Uh, he shouldn't be doing that. He's been in that team for three years. That was his time to show, right, I'm the I'm the main man. I will help you, but I'm the main man. And everyone's gone. And we all kind of thought, and I said it last year, like Latifi is a decent driver. He's overshadowed because, you know, Russell's an exception. <laughs> How wrong was I? 
Uh, yeah, Aston Martin. So Vettel comes in in his first race of the season after COVID. His engine lasts about half an hour, blows up, couldn't get into FP, FP2. I think FP3, Stroll had an incident, the car got damaged, going to qualify, and Vettel wasn't going to make it out. Latifi was, uh, Stroll was on an outlap, tripped over Latifi. He didn't get a lap time in, and Vettel got the car to uh, the, the highlights of 17th. <laughs> Uh, and I think Stroll finished twelfth, but then that was more to do with you know failing to finish. It, it's for a team that has the money that it has and the investment that it has there, and now they are the team that don't have any points. This is this is going to be a long, a long hard season for them. Uh, I think a couple of podcasts ago, Scarbs actually said that the the least confident design in the whole grid, and he said was Aston Martin, mm. and it's proven that. Uh, where they go from here, I don't know. I mean, it came. I, I think I saw a tweet where Aston Martin are investigating the weekend. Well, duh, you have to. Like, hmm. what what went on? Like, what is going on here? Can we uh, can we forgive Sebastian Vettel? Obviously, because it is his first race. You know, he didn't get obviously the the the, the first two. Uh, you know, race the first two weekends um, practicing uh, in that car. So he doesn't really have the knowledge of, of what they've put on or changed or, you know, given him uh, as, as a, as a vehicle. Um, well, there's, there's two ways to look at that. Like the, what the first, the one side of it is Aston Martin have to take their responsibility because they are not giving him the tools. Mm-hmm. They should uh, to do what he needs to do with it. But he's a very, he's a very experienced driver. He's a four time world champion. Mm-hmm. He needs to do better. Uh, I might be a bit harsh on him because he hasn't driven those cars in anger with the new regulations. But you know the the, the mistake he made, unless I've missed something with some sort of failure, it was very amateurish. Again, it was very amateur ever, and like, I don't, I didn't quite understand. Of all drivers, a four-time world champion, champion like Vettel, to, to crash how he did, to just kind of spin out. You know, it's kind of confirming my idea that this is his last year because he's look at it, this is his last year in his contract uh, and if the cars is such a dog as it seems to be why would he want to race around and be away from his family I mean he's a very much very well known to be a family man mm. and he's not at a Grand Prix weekend you don't see him on social media because he doesn't have it he's just at home being the dad you know we, it's three kids he's got uh, being the, the husband and just taking it easy you know, why would he want to fly around the country missing his family to drive and try and race for the for 15th or 16th or whatever it is? I suppose uh, he's got nothing to prove, as he? He's a four-time world he's champion. He's a four-time world champion. And I think, I think Vettel is the prime example of Formula One moving away from a style of a driver. Formula One's not... Lo- Formula One, like, sorry. Sebastian Vettel has not lost his talent. Fernando Alonso's not lost the talent, you know or whatever other drivers haven't lost their talent. But the thing about Formula One is that it moves in certain directions. And if you just don't have that adaptability or your, you know, the style of driving, like Sebastian Vettel likes a car to do certain things. If it doesn't do certain things, he's not as good as as he has been. That mm-hmm. four years when he won the title, everything was geared towards him. Everything was around him. Everything clicked into place. Now things are moving. Look at Daniel Ricciardo when he was in Red Bull, when he was able to do the dive bombs and trusted the brakes, trusted the cars, he did what he did. 
that gave him his reputation. He's now in a McLaren that last year was very twitchy, was very weird on the brakes, and then he's still got issues with brakes and confidence in the car now with the new regulations. Formula One just moves, and sometimes drivers just don't move with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's what happens. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's happened to Vettel, along with the fact that he's, you know, he's older. You know, he doesn't need Formula One. And it's, you know, it'll get to the point where Formula One doesn't need Vettel, much to the the pain of a lot of drivers, a lot of fans out there. Uh, I think he'll get a it'll be a it'll get a longer leash than most drivers because it's Vettel and he's a likable person. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was somebody else that wasn't overly, you know, if it was, you know, Esteban Ocon or somebody else or, you know, God forbid, Lewis Hamilton, you know, there'd be a lot more heat. <laughs> but it's Sebastian Vettel, you know, oh, he's nice, he'll be fine. Daniel Ricciardo should be getting a bit more heat than he's getting for the same reasons. But he's a likeable guy and McLa- everyone seems to like McLaren and likes Ricciardo and likes Norris. So they don't give him as much heat. Okay, well, I want to talk about McLaren, actually, because they had uh, an absolutely brilliant weekend, really, uh, considering where they were in the first two races of the season. Um, as as not-so-secret McLaren fans here on the uh, Everything F1 podcast, uh, it was quite painful to see um, the first two races uh, and how far they dropped back. In fact, we were even questioning um, Lando's kind of thoughts after signing that quite lengthy deal um, to stay at McLaren for, for, for a while. We thought, oh, they're going to languish... Um, at the back of the grid for at least this season and maybe into the future too. But this this race they did absolutely brilliantly uh, and you know uh, sweeped up as much as many points as they possibly could uh, and scored fifth and sixth in in the race. So hats off to them. They they did a great job. Uh, whether it's just a an anomaly um, with this race circuit, um, th- that's something that we're probably leaning towards it being. Uh, Lando Norris alluded to the fact that it probably is a, a race-specific, um, you know, achievement. Oh, um, he, didn't, he didn't allude to it. He basically said flat out, he said, it's the same car as Bahrain, it's just the track. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Daniel Ricciardo's a wee bit more glass half-full type thing. It's like, woo! Lando's <laughs> like, no, 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 chill. So, you know, any track that's a bit similar to the, the Albert Park will probably see McLaren go the way they go. But the thing is, I think McLaren know their issues. And that's mm. half the battle. You know what the issue is. It's just a case of getting it sorted. They'll get there. They'll get there. And we'll, and we'll hopefully see a few more uh, good good scores, uh, good scoring points uh, for the McLaren team. Uh, and I'm really hoping for a, a podium for each of them uh, this year. Uh, hoping to see them on those, uh, you, you know, spraying the champagne over each other, uh, having a shoey here and there. Uh, that would be they, very yeah, exciting. They need to hurry up and do it now because if if Red Bull and and Mercedes sort themselves out and they, nobody's getting near those podium places, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. So like, <laughs> no, the rest yeah. of the teams hovering about the midfield need to sort it out now. Nothing to do with the actual teams whatsoever. But did anyone watch afterwards that tagged on a shoey? Yes. Some, oh, yes. Some, yeah, yeah, Celtic random, fan as well. Celtic fan. Some random dudes. Yeah. Well, well, I was watching his notebook afterwards, and he's on about the grit in his teeth, and I'm like, I was gagging at the belly. Oh, dude. Oh, very, very salty drink right there. Yeah. <laughs> Love this stuff. It was like, I mean... it tasted fine, but it was a bit gritty. And then he starts talking to this doctor that he finds randomly walking down and asking if he can get anything from it. And the doctor's saying, I mean, you can get athletes foot in his stomach. Athletes foot in your stomach. Oh, dude. That sounds absolutely vile. Oh, that's (laughs) so so spicy. 
add that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, well worth it. Um, but yeah, Danny Rick was at his, his home race. It's worth noting that he was pr- probably quite happy to at least get some good points um, for, for his home race. Obviously, he was out, outperformed by his teammates, um, which he'll be probably a little bit miffed about. But, you know, he... All, all things considered, where they were in the first two races, uh, and as McLaren fans as well, uh, it was good to see them at least kind of competing uh, in decent positions. Um, I feel like we need to talk about Alpine. Uh, are you prepared to do that, Oscar? Do you think you can uh, discuss Alpine's race weekend? Sure, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, because I think Alpine were was a very strange team to follow over the weekend, that's for sure. I think it has to be maybe the fastest car in every weekend who's picked up the most pathetic amount of points. <laughs> I mean, for two sectors on Saturday, I think all of us were on the edge of our seat thinking L plans finally come to fruition. <laughs> and then before you know it, spectacularly, it doesn't quite happen. Mm. Um, at first I thought it was driver error, which I was very surprised to see. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, of course it came out in the end that it was stuck in fourth gear and it sent him into the wall. Um, and I think, a lot of us and Alonso fans were quite happy about that, really, because to think of the great man binning it on a possible pole lap is is, is quite something. Um, so a strange weekend overall for Alpine. Uh, Ocon did manage to, to come home in seventh, so picked up a few points. But the car looked, looked fantastic, really, and, and it's shown glimpses of this all season, maybe being, um, you know, a front-running car. Um, you know, it hasn't quite happened for them so far, but Alonso would come back, you know, we assume to come out to win a championship. And that's, that's what he says he wants to do. He's not here just to see Alpine or Renault, whatever you want to call them, kind of trundle about and pick up the smaller points. He, he wants to be up there fighting for podiums. Um, so, you know, it looked like they really had a chance this weekend. And maybe it's one of those where the sweet spot is just, very small and maybe they just need to work on the car a bit to maybe even bring down the speed slightly if it's going to lead to more consistent higher up finishes for the team overall Mm. um i think the worst thing being overall for alpine uh looking at the weekend that alonso went for the fastest lap and didn't even get that because the (laughs) clerk got it in the end um yeah. And of course, he, was, he wasn't even classified in the end. Of course, you need to get the top 10 to even get that fastest lap point. So, yeah, yeah. A, a, a disappointing race overall. I think Alpine would have wanted a lot more. And I, I, I still thought from 10th place, we might see an Alonso podium. If I was looking at an outside bet, then I would have probably gone down that route following the performance in those two sectors in, in qualifying at least. But they just didn't, didn't quite bring it together overall. I think there's doubts maybe within Alpine about whether they whether they have the technical personnel to, to, to really lead that charge. You know, Alonso, as a driver, he's quite quite a galvanizing figure. I don't know if he maybe motivates. It's, we'll have to see really how it goes, of course, if those GP2 engines, you know, comments start coming <laughs> in or something like that in the season, then it's, it's not really going to help anyone. So I don't think Alonso's there just to sit around. Uh, mm. Time isn't on his side as a driver either. So they're, they're going to want to see results sooner rather than later. I, I think they were hoping to hit the ground running in this new era and they haven't quite lived up to that yet. They haven't quite lived up to it yet. But his teammate Esteban Ocon came seventh. So again, still scoring, you know, a few points for the team there. Do you think, were you impressed with his race weekend? Yeah, Ocon's still a weird one. And I'd like you guys to pitch in on this as well. Um, I'm still, 
unsure about Ocon whether I rate him or don't rate him as a driver. You know, he he had, of course, Hungary, which, you know, that that was a strange race to be fair. I think one of us guys could have maybe won that if we had been had been racing that day. Um, <laughs> on a Vespa. Um, but um <laughs> but uh yeah, but besides that, there's been glimpses, but I, I st- I'm still unsure about Ocon really as a quality driver, you know. He's French, so of course, as a team Alpine would love to to see him really fighting, and they haven't really had too many heroes, you know, going over the, the, the decades recently, uh, since the, the great professor Alain Prost. Um, Sebastian Bourdais comes to mind. Sebastian Buemi, I think he was French as well. So it's 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 been it's been slim pickings, really. Oh, Pierre Gasly, of course. I'm I'm making myself look a little bit silly there. Pierre Gasly is well as a quality driver. So in in terms of Ocon, whether he can be even at Gasly's level, I'm not sure yet. He seems like a, a consistent points performer. I think he will bring them in, but I don't know. I feel like he needs to make it happen this season. If, if he's going to really outline himself as a quality driver for Alpine, and if he wants to look at maybe moving up, he's still in the Mercedes driver program, is he? Uh, maybe one of you guys. I think he's. I think the split has, has been completely happen, completely happened when he moved to Renault. That's um, completely split now. Okay, so he has no ties to, to the Merck program anymore. No. But I'm sure he'd still be looking to try and maybe bump up to Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes even, if he can get that drive someday, uh, if Alpine don't make the steps. And um, I think this is quite a crucial season now. If, if he's not going to make the step up now, then I think he'll just fall into the category of a midfield driver. He'll be overtaken by up-and-coming talent. Yeah, well, uh, many of our listeners will probably know Coop's stance on uh, Ocon. He, uh, he, Coop's... Your your stance on Ocon is probably very similar to, to yours. There, he's, he's not he's not the biggest <laughs> fan of Ocon, um, nope. and and he's, he's made his mate. You've made your opinions known over the past sixty podcasts, haven't you? Yes, I don't like him. <laughs> I, I just I just don't nah, I just don't see he, he's one of those. You know, you, you pick him in your fantasy team because you have to. He, he just because you've only got four, grand, four million left and you need to yeah, you need to fill space. He's there, that's a yeah, great, a great analogy. The, the, the economical choice. <laughs> he, he is. He's, he's there. He does what he needs to do. He has a bit of an arrogance about him, but I mean, he's never going to fight for championships. I mean, Alpine are never going to fight for a championship. Uh, I just, I just think he's a bit overhyped. In all honesty, I think if it wasn't for the fact there was a French team on the grid, I don't think he would be on the grid. If, uh, if he did, if he wasn't a starring role in that Drive to Survive season one, he wouldn't be in the car now. Um, it's the fact that you know he was a, quite a personable person uh, during that season, and he got a bit of fan kind of attention. Everyone's like, oh, you know, I like that Arcon. He's a nice guy. And then uh, you know, Renault slash Alpine probably saw that and thought, well, he's French. Let's give him a go. I just don't see the spark. I just don't see what it's there. And I mean, I've got the same opinion about Mick Schumacher and that's probably going to get me stabbed by somebody. But uh, <laughs> to be like, you know, there's just that extra. Max Verstappen turned up at, God, what was he, five? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just knew. You're just like, oh, this is special. And then Russell appeared in a Williams, which was fighting for 20. And there's only 20 cars in the grid. And he... You know, he fired it into, almost got it into his second uh, Q2 one race to the point where Claire Williams was in the pit wall in tears. Like, oh, how did he do that? <laughs> uh, there's just something. 
like Alonso comes back because of his reputation, but even when he turned up on the grid firing about and he's, I think he was in a Minardi at one point, you know, there's that extra bit, there's something there. Hamilton, the minute he appeared, I remember him first appearing on the grid in the first race, you're just like, oh, he's a bit of something. He, Ocon isn't. It's, there's a few of them on the grid that are not, I mean, like, like if, you, if you ignore like the Stroll and Latifi's of the world who are just there again, you know, there's a few that come in and you just think, nah, I don't, like, I've, I think my opinion's tempered a wee bit in Sonoda. I'm, again, I'm kind of, he's going down the Ocon route, you know, the Ocon world of disappointment. Uh, it's just, uh, I think there's better drivers that are not Oscar Piastri <clears throat> that should be there rather than him. And right. I've probably said that since he first took a drive in a car. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's let's move on to we've got two teams that we haven't spoken about. We, uh, you've just mentioned AlphaTauri, and we did kind of have a little kind of talk about AlphaTauri, but not not we haven't focused on them. Um, yeah. Joe, would you like to talk about AlphaTauri? Or... Uh, thank AlphaTauri. Um, they both done all right, really. I guess that's exactly how the race went. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah. yeah, it was it was there. <laughs> well, I'm trying to kind of, you know, when you're trying to think of something that was just like, ooh, this one bit, I'm I'm not getting anything that's jumping to me for that, ooh, they did that one move, or ooh, such and such happened. They just, they turned up, they done their job, solid midfield drivers. I mean, it's a shame because I really like Gasly. I, I always have, and I really kind of want to be able to put more in it, but I've got no massive in for them right now they're, they're they're just there they do the job they mm. fill that gap in the middle so that latifi can go and do whatever the hell he wants and doesn't break the front runners <laughs> well pierre gasly <laughs> pierre gasly was ninth so he got a couple of points for the team uh and tunoda was 15th so yeah kind of just, just not, not 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 even not even competitive yeah. really I think Sonoda was caught out by safety cars for strategy, which kind of ruined a few people. Was I'm sure both of them did. Did they not? Oh, now I'm having to think. I'm not 100% did, sure. But again, I can't this remember. A... One of them definitely, but I'm sure both of them hit. They lost out uh, the pit just before the safety mm. car hit. So I think the strategy went a bit ski-whiff for them somewhere along the lines. I can't remember exactly. Um, I do remember at one point kind of sitting thinking, I'm ghastly staying all right. And then it was like, well, he's kind of on his own. Mm. So there's not really much he can do. He so, got I the mean, most out of the car. The car is, he did. He, the, car he is the ninth his. fastest, the eighth or ninth fastest at the minute. Yeah. Because, doing, you know, with, with, Hassan, with Hassan, Alfa Romeo jumping up. So they've Let's been... Let's see what next race brings for Alfa yeah. uh, Let's wait. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they were... There's been surprisingly anonymous all season. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were the kind of surprise package. Well, Gasly was. Yeah, uh, I think this is why I'm so like bummed out this year, because last year we did have those sparks of, oh my God, did you see that move? Oh my God, look at how well the car's doing. Whatever it may be. And this season so far is, well, they turned up, they raced, might have got points. That's it. Mm. There's not much else you can really say. They didn't do anything shockingly bad. They didn't break anybody. And the car's not put together with sellotape and glue. So, yay! <laughs> yeah, it does its job. Yeah. Okay, then, Oscar, it's up to you to discuss Haas then. Um, but th- 13th and 14th, uh, Mick, Mick 13th and uh, Kevin Magnuson 14th. What, it, what, what's there to talk about, really? Not, not, not anything to write home about. 
there really there really isn't much James and um yeah you're putting me under pressure here because I mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing the names Magnuson or Schumacher at all really on Sunday and then you know taking notice it was it was an anonymous performance from the Haas team and um a strange one I think you know after that opening race we're all thinking my god they've actually pulled it together and you know it, it came under such a a cloud of uncertainty losing Oral Cali of course, losing Mazepin Jr. and Senior. Um, oh, yeah, honestly, gutted, um, especially after his kind of Bond villainess performance in Drive to Survive. That was very strange. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a very weird performance from Haas. Uh, nothing really worth noting. Um, you know, the, that those results probably flattered them a little bit, if anything, um, simply by the amount of DNFs in the race and uh, kind of carnage which has ensued around them. Otherwise, um, yeah, not really much to report home about Haas. They will be hoping that they can uh, pick up the pace a little bit going into the next race, that's for mm. sure, um, and come back at Imola. Um, I think, you know, especially after the lack of development, um, over the last few seasons, they were really banking on coming back into it a little bit this year and having some of those great successes they had under Grosjean and Magnussen um, in that uh, period of success where, you know, there was actually fighting for podiums for a little bit even, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, pushing in and around the points. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can bring it back. Um, from Schumacher's point of view as well, as uh, Coops mentioned there, um, it's not really happening so far for Mick and the amount of damage he's causing to the cars is now going up quite a lot. Um, you know, of course, you never want to come down a driver too much after that big shunt um, he had in quality in, in Saudi Arabia. But um, he does need to iron out these mistakes a little bit now. Um, you know, he comes with the name, of course, and that is going to that is going to give him a little bit more leeway as well than other drivers. Um, he did outperform Mazepin throughout last season, but I don't think he was spectacular exactly, um, apart from a few solid results here and there. He seemed to get the most out of a very difficult car, but it certainly didn't really make me feel like maybe Jules Bianchi, for example, and that Mauritius mm. all those years ago where he got that point in Monaco and it was you know, a fantastic result because those teams, the, the Mauritius, the HRTs, the Katams, they were just god-awful really in terms of uh, yeah. contributing to the championship. So Mick does need to pick it up a bit. Uh, Magnussen started very well and it is amazing how he's adapted back into the car so much. Mm-hmm. Someone suggested that the change in rules maybe benefited him a little bit with that but to, to to come in and do the job as he has is, is still pretty special yeah after being out for this time you know and then to get quite unceremoniously dumped as well by the Haas team um for Schumacher who obviously displayed a lot of talent in the feeder series uh Mazepin who came in as a pay driver let's be honest so um yeah K-Mag looking very solid Schumacher will need a bit of an upturn in form and to at least be beating K-Mag on a regular basis to, to prove that he can be anywhere near the performance of his old man because, you know, it's unfair to compare the two. You can't say that Mick's going to be up there just because he's had the training and, you know, has had him as a mentor at least for, for his earlier years until, of course, the unfortunate ski accident. Um, but he, he'll really need to come into his own in that position now. He'll have dreams of moving up the grid, 
And while it's not possible now, the Ferrari drive will be very tempting. And, you know, the kind of the, the presser and the media within F1 would, would love to see that story, Schumacher and Ferrari joined in the future. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it will uh, gain traction with a, a few good performances. So, um, yeah, they really need to cement themselves on the grid now. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about where that leaves them in terms of the constructors um, table. I don't know if any of you guys know off the top of your heads. Yeah, they're seventh with 12 points. Seventh with 12 points. So that's that's a really good result. You know, I'd say I think if you if you ask them, you know, we'll be here after the first couple of races, I'd say that Gunther would have taken that in an aggressive in a very aggressive and expletive manner. So um <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll like where they are now, to be fair. And um if they're going to be challenging with Alpha, yeah. Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Aston Martin, Williams, then that's a step up for them after a dismal campaign last year, um, in which, you know, they were only really fighting with Hass, to be honest, um, and Williams occasionally, um, when they kind of got their act together as well. So, yeah, a disappointing weekend for Haas. Uh, they'll be fig- trying to figure out why exactly it went wrong and looking to put that, you know, at the next race in Imola. Yeah, let's hope it's just a track-specific thing that their, their, their car just didn't perform in, in, in those uh, circumstances, really, because uh, they, they were looking points, points worthy in the previous two, uh, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. So hopefully they'll be back to that sort of form uh, as we travel into Imola uh, next week. Definitely. And, um, you know, from the perspective of Netflix as well, the last thing they'd want is for Haas to do badly this season, because if Gunther's out, well, <laughs> geez, you know, who are they going to focus on for 50% of the episodes? Who are they going to photograph next to toy boats and gazebos? You know, we'll really be struggling from a media point of view there. So, Just Capito, yeah. that's who. I love Just Capito. Yoss, I Yoss think, is a great man. I think I think he's good. I think he's I think he's a, a, one of the best... Uh, characters on the grid now uh, that I'm going to focus on uh, and I'm going to, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing him on next year's drive to survive. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much all we need to talk about for the race. I think we've summarized all the teams. We have been the everything F1 podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week where we'll talk about all the news that has dropped over this week and next week. And of course we'll preview the Imola Grand Prix. You can also find us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We've also got a TikTok. Please follow us, like, share, uh, and just interact with us on our social platforms. There's plenty of us to chat to. We can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And we would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star review if you like what you hear. We'll be back next week. See you soon. Thank you very much to Joe. Thank you very much, Coops. And thank you very much, Oscar. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.